0: Da 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 This is Birth Confidential with TJ. Hey, welcome back to Birth Confidential. I hope you enjoyed the first episode. I'm very grateful to Kayla for sharing her story. I know that it's not an easy story to share. And after the podcast had been recorded, she had opened up about how she had unfortunately suffered another loss. And she shared that story on her podcast, Hi, My Name is Mom. And you know, if it's something that you've gone through or are going through, you know, maybe her story can help you. In today's episode, it's myself and my husband, Ricky, telling our birth story. The timing is perfect because our daughter was born on March 30th, so it's been four years since all of this happened. We've never really talked about it together in detail or really even told the story. So I've decided to do these longer episodes in part one and part two. I know that it's easier to get through them when they're, you know, 20 to 30 minutes long and you're driving home from work or driving to work. At least it is for me when I listen to podcasts. I appreciate when they're shorter. So um, in this episode, my husband and I will talk about how we met, my fear behind why I didn't want children, and then everything that happened leading up to where it took a turn for the worst. This is episode two of Birth Confidential with my husband, Ricky. We have been together for what, like seven years?
1: Yeah. Well, Yeah. 14,
0: 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Seven years went by real fast. So we met on Twitter. I had tweeted something about organic Cheetos. Long story short, we started tweeting each other and we became friends, and we were friends for a year before you told me that you had feelings for me.
1: Slid into those DMs, and I knew seven years later we'd be married with a kid.
0: No, that's not really how it went, but that's how it ended up. (laughs) Probably about a year into dating. We found out we were pregnant the weekend of Country Jam, which was super fun. I remember like, not feeling well the Saturday night of Country Jam, and I was like, what day is it? And I started thinking about it, and I was like, no way. And I had realized that I hadn't started my period yet. So Sunday night, we get home from Country Jam, and I take a pregnancy test because, I I don't know, I guess it, I just happen to have some laying around.
1: Secret stash.
0: And you're taking the garbage out, and... It's not positive, so I yelled down like, oh, we're good. And then by the time you had come back upstairs, it was positive. Yeah, that was
1: a wide range of emotions. I got a all clear on my way out the door and a, a, an SOS code red on the <laughs> way back in.
0: How long have we been together at that point? Six months? Yeah. October? No, a year. Yeah, about a year. I knew that I wanted to marry you and have kids with you. I thought about that when we were just friends, but- i mean i wanted to get married first (laughs) you know
1: sped up the process a little bit
0: and truth be told we weren't really getting along that weekend either we had been fighting and so it wasn't really like a super awesome time to find out and i remember calling my best friend angie and i was crying and she's like what we do not cry we are too old to be crying about pregnancies (laughs) right now like i don't remember you were 38 years old you do not cry about being pregnant and I was like, you know what? You're right. You don't cry about being pregnant. So I told you. And what did you think in that moment?
1: Honestly, there wasn't a lot of thinking. There was a lot of just white space and staring at the ceiling. Um, it didn't really register. I'd say probably for a few days. Because it, it's not like a negative array of emotions. You just, you're like, wow, this is <laughs> this is a real thing. It's, it's happening.
0: Because seven years ago, you were how old?
1: 24. Is there going to be any more math involved in this? <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I That's just all feel I got. like you were so young You know, like to already have a baby And whatever It's my
1: limit on math
0: <laughs> We had ordered like How many cream cheese wontons did we order? 19?
1: I mean, enough to not feel good about ourselves after
0: and just sat in silence no tv on nothing just ate nine cream cheese wontons and thought about it we knew exactly the day that she was conceived
1: we knew that our life was going to be a lot different because at the time (laughs) we were living on the lake had a jet ski and it was you know middle of summer and i think it was just the realization life was about to get real really fast which i don't think either either of us thought was a negative thing it was just kind of hit us really quick
0: yeah. And I knew that you wanted a boy. So we had hoped for a boy because I was like, cool, if I can give you a boy, I won't have to have any more kids. And the reason that I was so afraid to have kids, and I never really talked about this with a lot of people, is because I started having nightmares when I was 12. And I really think that it might have started with Tim McGraw's Don't Take the Girl video because I watched it when I was really young. And I saw the, the woman in the video had passed away having a baby. And I don't know if I was just like subconsciously traumatized by that video or whatever, but I had started having nightmares when I was 12 that that's how I was going to die. So I've thought my entire life that if I had a baby, I would die. And I didn't want to have a baby and have her grow, her or him grow up without a mom. And selfishly, I didn't want to have a baby and not see this child grow up and see all the amazing things she or he would accomplish I was terrified of birth. So I did not want kids for that reason. Knowing that if I wanted to be with Ricky, though, he wanted kids, that that was always going to be a thing. So I think that I think that probably in the back of my mind, I knew the night that she was conceived that we probably were going to have a baby that night. She was just, you know, meant to be. And that was the only way it was going to happen because it just had to happen or it wouldn't happen because I was so paralyzed with fear when it came to thinking about having a baby that it never would have happened we had tried to like plan it and I always felt bad about like not giving you that you know like that happiness of yay we're so excited we're having a baby yeah but
1: you you did share that with me so in, in the back of my mind kids with you were never a make or break it was always something that was a fun thing to think about and I may have wanted but not needed and so I think that's probably why we were both scared when we found out you got pregnant because, I mean, you more than me. But you had talked about it with me enough to where I really felt a lot of those same feelings for you.
0: It's not that I made all these things up in my head. Like a doctor told me, like, you probably shouldn't have children. It would be hard for you. And I remember my mom, when she met your mom for the first time at Christmas, literally walked into my brother's house on Christmas Eve. And your mom and your sister fly out to Christmas. Vegas and I walk up to my mom and your mom and my mom says so how do you feel about Trisha never giving your son any children (laughs) I'm like where's the wine nice literally the first thing my mom says to your mom so like it's been a real thing for me and everyone's known that it's always been something that I just knew that it wasn't in my future but for whatever reason I knew that deep down behind all of that fear I knew I wanted to have a child with you And I knew that we would have at least one, I I hoped.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to this more, but there was a level of guilt that I felt amidst all of the chaos after Nilly was initially born. but
0: Well, throughout the pregnancy, there weren't any major health issues.
1: Is constant daily vomiting a health?
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, other than that... And I didn't even have it bad enough to where you have to go get treatments, but I did not eat anything except oranges the entire pregnancy. I got strep throat once during the pregnancy, so I felt guilty taking antibiotics. I was so sick, but I also had to take my biologic medication too, because I'm on Enbrel, which is an immune suppressing medication, and they can't test it on pregnant women, so it's never been tested. And they're like, well, it's safe up until the first, they say the first two trimesters and then stop taking it. You know, I think I stopped it a little bit earlier because I just don't didn't want to take any you know, unnecessary medications if I didn't need to. And I felt guilty about the steroids I had to take because of strep throat that I had. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't stop coughing. I couldn't stop peeing my pants. My throat hurt so bad I couldn't swallow. It was horrible. I forgot all about that until just now. I remember throwing up in parking lots, going out to eat and puking before I get in the car and driving home. I remember one night coughing so hard I threw up and peed on myself and I walked into the apartment and you're like, How's your day and You take one look at me and I was like, I'm gonna go take a bath.
1: Just go ahead and do that and you just take over much time you need. <laughs> I, was
0: like, I have puked and I have peed on myself. I need to woo-saw in this bathtub right now. We did have to go to a high risk doctor a couple times. They did tell us that the baby's lung might have had some fluid in it a little bit.
1: At one point, I remember a doctor not being sure if you'd be able to take the medicine during delivery. Uh, what's the shot that they oh, give the you? Oh, epidural. Yeah, and so with all that, you know, I, as a man, I I can't imagine like the whole birthing process is incredible. It's 10 times more incredible once you witness it but the thought of having to go through that without an epidural is to anyone who does that is is the mvp (laughs) so we went through probably what like eight weeks of hypnobirthing classes
0: i went to mayo clinic when i was trying to get off my biologic for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis and i've been on enroll for 15 years so right when the biologics came out and so there's no long-term research on the medication and I feel like it's affected my blood and like the blood clotting and um has given me those type of issues so I went to Mayo and I had all this blood work done and they told me that I have von Willenbrand's disease which means that my blood doesn't clot so if I were to get a cut on my leg I could just bleed out because there's no clotting factor well fast forward to I go to um a hematologist, a blood doctor. And she tells me that because I have O blood, that that's just kind of a trait of O blood. And she doesn't believe that I have von Willembrand's. I just don't have any of the classic symptoms of people who are typically born with it. And it's not really something that you just get. And so she signed off last minute after so many tests you can't even imagine, like all this blood work. And she's like, you know what? I feel good signing off on you having an epidural. But Before that, we had to figure out a way of me having this baby with no pain medication. So I guess our solution to that was hypnobirthing.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much the hypnobirthing would have helped. Like, I just genuinely don't know. So I'm just so thankful you were able to have that epidural.
0: If I wouldn't have been able to get the epidural, I probably would have went full-on hypnobirthing. Like, I don't really care what these nurses think or if it's dark in here and I have hypnobirthing music because I don't know how else I would have gotten through it.
1: Yeah, at that point, I mean, it's all you had known. We had done the classes for so long that, I mean, it was a legitimate, like, not plan B, but 1B, you know?
0: That's all I had. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot in that class, too. I felt like I was really good at it. I was really good at falling asleep.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much my support would have changed i mean i feel like in general the the guy or the man has like their checklist of like ways in which you can support your wife during birth outside of that i mean everything the woman's doing in that situation is so much more impressive that it's i don't know
0: well (laughs) i mean we didn't have to use it so that's good so because i was you know advanced maternal age I could be induced on my due date, and so we checked into the hospital, and they induced me on Nilly's due date. Looking back, well, I don't know, because there's two, I mean, I think it went the way it was supposed to go, because I wouldn't have induced, I would have just waited and seen if, like, she could have come on her own, but knowing that there was, like, I couldn't dilate on my own, so there was that issue. And then after we got there, the other issue was that the cord was wrapped around her neck two times. So had I kept waiting, A, if the water would have broke, I wouldn't have been able to dilate on my own. And two, every time I laid on my right side, the cord got really tied around her neck. So I'm thankful we induced because we were in a place where they could help us. But also, like, I wish I, I would have just waited to see if she would have been able to come on her own because I don't know if us inducing made everything that happened after that go to hell (laughs) because also but inducing causes bleeding issues and all of the things that happened after the situation
1: it's hard for me to say I look at the things that popped out to me which was the cord around her neck and the heart rate dropping and and that stuff and I just don't know what would have been found or caught had we not induced. But then on the flip side, you look at the potential, you know, side effects of that, and maybe that's what impacted a lot of the complications you had. It's kind of a flip the coin because you you just don't know. Everyone says hindsight is twenty twenty. I actually don't think that's the case with this because there were so many variables.
0: The other thing that I I was sad about is that I didn't get to enjoy the pregnancy. For the night before we went to the hospital, one of my friends told me, like, you got to take a belly picture because I didn't take any belly pictures. And I kept thinking to myself, like, well, if I die during birth, this is going to be the last picture that, you know, my daughter sees of her in my tummy. Every time we took a picture, I'm like, well, this is what Nilly will see when she gets to look back at pictures of her mom. This is the last time that I'll get to celebrate Christmas. Like, that's literally everything I thought for nine months. I didn't get to enjoy anything because everything was this is the last of everything that I did and so that all sucked (laughs) the whole pregnancy and it sounds dramatic but it's literally what I thought we go in to get induced the next morning and uh you know everything's fine and my mom flies up from Vegas and she's there and you said throughout the entire pregnancy if you all watch Game of Thrones, you'll know the reference. Our last name is Stark and Ricky would be like, we're Starks. We stay north. He am not watching the birth. We stay north. We're Starks. And we get there and Ricky is, just wants to be a part of everything. Just <laughs> wants to be part of everything. A curious guy. <laughs> so, they put the Pitocin in and bouncing on a little ball and it's starting to, you know, hurt a little bit, but I'm not dilating. So, my um OB comes in and she has to like get rid of scar tissue herself and that was the most painful thing of the whole thing because I had no epidural I had nothing and that sucked
1: the the only part that kind of weirded me out that was really hard to watch was the epidural like it it looked like I was watching the matrix I mean the needle was huge just the the way it went into your back, like for me, I mean, in terms of watching the pregnancy, I thought it was like, it's kind of corny leading up to it, you know. Everyone always says it's like this miracle or it's the most amazing thing you'll ever see. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's pretty great, like it's a life coming into this world. But you know, I, I probably downplayed it way more than I should have. You watched and you're like, oh, this is what a miracle looks like. I mean, it was the coolest thing ever.
0: The that was the most painful part where she Did all that, and then I was like, I have to have an epidural. Like, you will not do that again if I don't have an epidural. That's not happening again. And then I had back labor, just so bad. By then, I was just over it.
1: I am not good at sitting still. I'm an antsy person, and the biggest complaint I had to that part is every time the doctor would come in, she'd be like, "All right, who wants to have a baby?" And I'd be like, "We do. (laughs) That's why we're still here." And every time they came in, they made it seem like, "All right, this baby is. We are almost there." and I don't know if I sat down for the, what, was it 15 hours? No, it was closer to, like, what, 24?
0: Well, I was in labor for a day.
1: Yeah, 24. So. And I'm almost positive I probably didn't sit down for more than an hour just pacing that room.
0: My mom, she, she's awesome. But she gets a little sque- little squeamish. She doesn't tell me everything that's going on. And apparently I laid on my side once, and there are about six nurses that came flying in that room. And I was like, what's happening? And my mom said that she watched the monitor and, like, the baby's heart rate just plummeted. And they're like, okay, well, if that happens again, we have to go in for a C-section. And I was like, uh, okay. So, at that point, the cord head was wrapped around her neck.
1: It was me and your mom, Kim. Um, Each of us were on one leg.
0: No one told me that you were going to hold a leg. No one told me that Ricky was going to hold a leg. I was like, uh, she's like, come over here and grab a leg. And I'm like, what? And at that point, I mean, it doesn't even matter at that point because everything just, who cares at that point? But no one told me. I would have had so much anxiety leading up to that moment. Like, hell no, you are not holding a leg.
1: Again, the whole process was incredible. So my mom was
0: holding a leg. You were holding a leg, and my mom, why would my mom ever want to hold my leg? I don't even know what happened there, how that that whole situation even came to fruition. Because I would have never asked my mom to hold my leg.
1: And we were quite the tandem until your mom passed out.
0: And then I saw her faint. And I was scared for a minute because I was like, Sh- that does not look good, what's happening down there on the floor. And the doctor's like, she out? Yep, she's out. Great. So they pick her up, put her on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously my leg is no longer being held by my mother who ha- who's holding that leg at that point a nurse
1: no it was just me solo on one leg oh okay. yeah, we, were, we were just one leg in it
0: so then she's like we gotta use the vacuum to get this baby out because she's got the cord wrapped around her neck twice so it's hard to get her out uses the vacuum and she's like okay i can only do this one more time legally if she doesn't come out we have to go in for an emergency c-section so everyone be ready and I'm like, I have just pushed for hours. A day. No, it wasn't a day that I actually pushed. Oh. But it was hours. It like- I'm like, I can't imagine what it would have happened if we would have had to push her all the way back in with that cord around her neck. Yeah. And I cannot even imagine. And with the bleeding issues I had, um, I was like, I don't care if I push out my kidneys, my liver, and every organ I have. This kid is coming out right now. So finally, on the last push, she comes out.
1: I was really proud of you just because like just the whole backs everything we've talked about to this point, there's so much emotion. Um, I'm sorry, but you're not good with pain tolerance. So you had, <laughs> you had put up with so much to this point and it was just kind of like the world went in slow motion. And it was like, uh, we all just, I, fe- I felt like you and I just kind of connected. I don't even, I don't know that we even looked at each other, but it was kind of like this slow motion one, two, three. And I could just tell you were not having anything to do with, c-section and for me the thought of just getting cut open terrifies me so I didn't want that for you so I was like please don't make us go into an emergency c-section got her out with the vacuum there is so much confusion and excitement and holy cow just pulled a baby out of a person with a vacuum (laughs) and uh they they took her out she was I didn't really notice right away that she was lifeless but they they put her on you And the cord was still around her neck almost twice. After she was on you for, I don't know, not long at all, the nurses came and scooped her up and brought her over to this other table. And, I mean, just reading body language and them talking amongst each other, I kind of could tell something wasn't right. They put her on the table, put this little mask on her. Um, I don't know that you were able to tell, but I purposefully kind of stepped to where I knew you wouldn't have a clear line of sight to her.
0: Well, I had no idea, but my mom told me after the fact, they're like, she was not breathing.
1: Well, they they put a little oxygen mask on her. They didn't do any sort of, uh, like, I don't know if you usually do. There was, like, no resuscitation or anything. But they put a little mask on her and in little sequences. And they finally got her to a point where she was breathing. They did a little bit of, like, this massage thing to her. And then she started breathing. You know, still, you could tell there was still concern. Truthfully, I was pretty scared but I was more concerned with not letting you see what was going on just because I can't imagine that emotion of going through all that and then now what's wrong with my baby got her kind of stabilized and then they were taking her to the NICU so they took her there at least when I left things were okay I went to the NICU for I mean it couldn't have been more than 15 minutes and I uh came back and I walked in and and you were pale white you did not look good you had a uh wet rag over your face and your mom was just you know saying how you had lost some blood and i don't remember everything but i was given enough information to know that you weren't doing so well um and so from there i actually i never told you this but i went and had some words with a couple doctors because you were doing bad enough and nilly was doing good enough to where i was really upset someone didn't come and get me because you did not look good um so at that point that was the first time i had been like upset or frustrated but i was more of coming from the the lens of if my wife is starting to show signs of not doing well why is no one coming to get me um and then that's where everything kind of spiraled
2: <laughs> Next
0: Friday in part two of Birth Confidential with Ricky, we'll talk about the chaos that ensued after I had the baby, why the doctor told us we were walking on a tightrope, I had to be transferred to another hospital, what exactly went wrong, and what Ricky thought of everything that was going on.
2: To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night.